is due. Yahoo and my Ellen King, I pray that you accept for me this day my offering in Yahushua's name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so we're continuing our journey through the book of Joshua, you know, um, which is about the journey into the promised land. Hallelujah. God wants us to study this book of Joshua from the individual perspective of Joshua being the son of noon. That is, the son re-sprouted, even a born-again son, a man in whom the rock Hakodesh resides. Collectively, we're speaking to those who, has went through, who have went through their wilderness experience and have endured his tests and trials by holding on to Elohim. They have borne the whoredom of their parents and forefathers, yet they, yet they have their old man, that is, their flesh man, and his lust broken down, humbled, and deadened. As a result, they are no longer fleshly or worldly, but are now reborn spiritually via the word of the word and Ruach HaKodesh. Within the book of Joshua, we can expect to learn the plan of Elohim concerning the body of Yahushua, i.e. his ecclesia, and those born-again believers that make up spiritual Israel. We'll learn how they're to enter into the kingdom of Elohim, what to expect once in, as well as how to proceed once in. Another perspective we'll be exploring is that of the land and the inhabitants of the land and how the land of Canaan speaks to the kingdom of Elohim within each and every one of us. And how its inhabitants relate to the remnants of the fallen angels, the demons, the devils, and other unclean spirits which currently inhabit the land inherited by the born-again believer. So, last week we stopped. Um, we went over the Gideonites and what we learned from the Gideonites and today we're going to continue on with chapter 10 so we're going to call this chapter 10 B alright we left off in Joshua 10 26 um, so we're going to pick it up with Joshua 10 27 so if I can have my first reader read Joshua 10 27 and 28 please and it came to pass at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down from off the trees and cast them into the cave wherein they had been hid and laid great stones in the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day. And at that day, Joshua took Mechida, the spotting place, and smote it with the edge of the sword. And the king thereof, he utterly destroyed them. And the king thereof, he utterly, utterly destroyed them and all the souls that were, that were therein. He let none remain. And he did, he did to the king of Mecca as he did unto the king of Jericho. Hallelujah. So uh, verse 27 is speaking to the five kings um, that, that were destroyed of Joshua and the Israelites prior um, from chapter 10, 1 through 26. You know, and so now he's saying that it came to pass at the time of the going down of the sun that they took them down because they had hung them up. So they had hung those five kings, you know, and they took them down, threw them in the cave in which in which they were, and then put great stones upon the cave, you know. And it says that that day Joshua took Machadah. Now you may not remember from a couple of weeks ago, but Machadah spoke to a spotting place. It can also speak to a shepherd's place. Um, but it was the shepherd who did the spotting. So, spotting place, okay. And it speaks about him taking Mechadah and smoking it with the edge of the sword and the king thereof and utterly destroyed them and all the souls that were therein. And it says, and he did to the king of Mechadah as he did unto the king of Jericho. You know, now, 
speaks about him taking Makadah. Now Makadah speaking to the spotting place. And so this is, you know, spiritually speaking, the place within the kingdom that you become spotted. You know, a spot is a blemish. You know, it's uh, you don't want to be spotted. And so we don't need a spotting place within within our kingdom of Elohim. I mean, we want to get rid of the spotting place because we're to be without spot. Consider Second Kephas or Second Peter 3, 13 and 14. It says, Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And also, let us consider Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as the Mashiach also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, We've spoken about this before, but I'm just going to say it as a reminder as we go through these these different places and these different kings. You know, the places, the i.e. the cities speak to doctrines, and the kings speaks to truths. You know, and so here it is. We see that Joshua, you know, took Macadai, took a doctrine that would cause his believers to become spotted. You know, and he destroyed the people thereof as well as the king as he did unto the king of Jericho. Then we come to Joshua 10.29. It says, Then Joshua passed from Machadah and all Israel with him unto Libnah and fought against Libnah. Now Libnah speaks to one that is to become white or to be white. Now white is a picture of righteousness. And so here it is. Yah has his people going in and replacing all the people that preceded them in the land of Canaan, i.e. within the kingdom of Elohim. And so there is a place within the kingdom that caused one to become spotted. He done away with that. Now there's a place that causes one to become white or to be white, that is to be righteous. And he's doing away with it because its righteousness didn't align with the most highest righteousness. Amen. Consider uh, Matthew 23, 27 and 28 because it, it also speaks to some who were white and caused others to become white. But it wasn't with the righteousness of Elohim. It was with their righteousness which was opposed to Elohim. It's uh, Matthew 23, 27, and 28. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Good example of what not to be like, amen. Right. So this is not this is not the type of 
righteousness we want to have. See, this is the type of Libna. This is a type of Libna, you know, that was in the kingdom that Yah wanted to do away with. Uh, let me have my next reader read Joshua 10, 30 and 31, please. And Yahuwah delivered it also, and the king thereof, into the hand of Yisrael. And he smote it with the edge of the sword, and all the souls that were therein, he let none remain in it, but did unto the king thereof as he did unto the king of Jericho. And Joshua passed from Libna, and all Israel with him unto Lachish, and encamped against it, and fought against it. Okay, so... Here we go again. The text tells us that Joshua did unto the king thereof as he did unto the king of Jericho. Now, it just said that, didn't it? You know, said that about Machadah as, as well. So, it wasn't that long ago that we, uh, that we went over Jericho. Does anybody remember what Joshua did to the king of Jericho? Well, I know you just need a minute to think about it. So while you think about it, I'm just going to define Lachish. You know, it said that Joshua passed from Libna and all of Israel with him unto Lachish. Now, Lachish speaks to the walk of a man. You know, and so he encamped against him and he fought, fought against him. You know, now... You know, so here it is. Now he's fighting against Lachish. You know, but concerning Libna, concerning this quasi-righteousness, if you would, it says that he killed the king thereof. That is, you know, kings represent what again? Truths. So he did unto that truth as he did to the truth of Jericho. So, what did he do to the king of Jericho? Anybody know? Say again. He absolutely did not. Say again. He did destroy it. Um, but what did he do to the king in particular? Okay. Got a lot of help. Let me uh, let me tell you. <laughs> he slayed them with the edge of the sword. He killed everyone in Jericho as well as the king with the edge of the sword. Now, who spoke about the hanging? I think I think it was uh, Brother John. Now, that's what he did to the five kings. He hung them. But the king of Jericho, he killed with the edge of the sword. Now the question is, why? Why kill some one way and others another way? You know, let us consider Hebrews 4.12. Because it gives us a pretty strong hint as to uh, what the sword represents. It says, the word of Elohim is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So, 
killing one by the sword is simply a picture of one using the word to destroy their enemy. Can you see that? So, killing one by the sword, so he killed the king of Jericho with the edge of the sword. So, spiritually speaking, he used the word to destroy. You know, now, that's important to know. Because some enemies, you're going to have to use the word to destroy them. Amen. Amen. But what's with the edge of the sword versus hanging? Now, we know what the sword represents. Now, what does the hanging speak to? Being accursed. Being accursed. That's absolutely true. That's true. We're going to roll with that. Deuteronomy 21, 22, and 23. <laughs> it says, And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, he be, and he be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is a curse of Elohim. That thy land be not defiled, which Yahuwah thy Elohim giveth thee for an inheritance. Now remember when we read verse 27, it was speaking about the five kings that they had hung. And it was saying that he, he took them down before, before the evening. Before it got dark. He took them down. That was because of this passage. Because it says you can't leave them up there you know, throughout the night. He's not to remain um, hung all through the night. You have to take them down. Otherwise... He'll defile the land. You know, now, let's take a look at an example of this. It's found in Numbers 25, 1 through 5, and then we have a, a second example in 2 Samuel 21, 6. My next reader, please. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods. And the people did eat and bow down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. And the anger of Yahuwah was kindled against Israel. Israel. And Yahuwah said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before Yahuwah against the sun, that the fierce anger of Yahuwah may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joint unto Baal-peor. Let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us, and we will hang them up unto Yahuwah, and give us of Saul, of Saul, whom Yahuwah did choose. And the king said, I will give them. Hallelujah. All right, so... Here it is. You know, we see in Numbers 25, it spoke about Israel, um, where they messed up big time. They messed up big time right here. You know, they worshiped other gods. You know, and Yah was really angry at them. Okay, and so and he plagued them. 
And so here it is. But look at what, what, what Yah told them to do. Yah told Moshe to take all the heads of the people and hang them before Yahuwah against the sun. See, that is because these men who had worshipped these other gods, they had become accursed. And if they were allowed to live within Israel, Israel as a whole would have became accursed. And Yah's wrath would have waxed hot against all of Israel. So Yah wanted... Not wanting to destroy all of Israel, he told them, take the heads of these men and hang them up before me so that I can see that the accursed thing is destroyed from out of the camp of Israel. And then the plague will cease. Can you see that? Yes. All right. Now we see the exact same thing in 2 Samuel. It was a curse upon the land to the point to where... There was a three-year famine. And when they prayed about why is this famine upon the land? You know, David was answered along the lines that Israel had become cursed because of something their prior king had done. Their prior king had killed some Gibeonites, which Israel had swore to. Not their touch. And so therefore, they brought a curse. He brought a curse upon Israel. And now David is the new king of Israel. He had to make it right. He had to atone. He had to bring restitution to the situation, to the Gibeonites. And so they followed the example. They said, let seven, seven of his sons of Saul's sons be delivered unto us and we will hang them up unto Yahuwah. Can you see they did the same thing? You know, and this is why they would, they would hang them up because it is to show Yah that look, we got rid of the accursed thing. You know, so The hanging speak to that which is accursed, and you usually become accursed because of what you do. You follow me? Yes. You know, so being accursed is tied to one's actions. Now, your actions are either one thing or the other. They're either righteous or unrighteous. Amen. You know, and so this is just a picture of one destroying the unrighteousness from within them so that they won't receive the curse. So what this is telling us overall is that when it comes to the enemies of the people of Elohim, some of the enemies we must destroy with the truth, that is, with the word. But other enemies we must destroy with our righteousness. Can you see that? That's very important to understand. Because 
We have plenty of enemies in the land. But we can't kill them all the same way. See, and some people, they can't defeat their enemies because they're trying to destroy them in the wrong manner. Y'all ain't hear me, did y'all? See, some of us can't defeat our enemies because we're trying to hang the ones that need to be cut with the sword and we're trying to cut with the sword the ones that need to be hung. Some of our enemies, you have to use the word on. But other of our enemies, you have to walk righteously. You have to use righteousness. You have to walk righteously before Yah. And that'd be like hanging them up in the face of y'all. Like, look, I done hung it up, y'all. I done, I done hung up all that, all that drinking. I done, I done hung it up. I done hung up all that gambling. I done hung up all that, all that crack or whatever it may be. I done hung it up. It's, I'm done. I done gave it over to you. You can take the curse off me now. You know, so... This is huge. This is a huge lesson. You know, everything that's in the word of Elohim is there intentionally. There's nothing in the word that's there by happenstance. It's, just, it's not by happenstance that some people he kill with the sword, with the edge of the sword, and other people they're commanded to hang. You know, here it is with Jericho. They were to kill with the edge of the sword. Because that was a problem. That was, that was a problem. That was an enemy or a doctrine that dealt with truth. You know, so you had to use truth in order to destroy it. You know, truth destroys falsehood. I mean, so that was dealing with a doctrine of falsehood, you know, and use the truth to destroy it. But AI, which was the very next battle, which they lost, by the way, the first time they fought was a battle that they had to destroy with righteousness. See, in the king of Ai, they hung. They hung him. They didn't kill him with the sword. You see the difference? You know, so, I pray that this sticks in, in, in your heart and mind as, you, as we continue to go through, you know, Joshua and the Israelites taking the land. Because, at some point, this has to this this has to cease being words in a book. It has to play out in your lives. And when you apply it to your lives, you need to know how to apply it. So you need to understand when to use your sword and when to lynch them. All right, let me have my next reader read Joshua ten thirty two through thirty five, please. And Yahuwah delivered Lachish into the hand of Israel, which took it on the second day and smote it with the edge of the sword and all the souls that were therein, according to all that he had done in Libnah. Then Hermon king of Gizra came up to Lachish and smote, and Joshua smote him and his people until he had him none remaining. And from Lachish and Joshua passed up into Iglon and all Israel with him, and they encamped against it and fought against it. And they took it up on the day and smote it with the edge of the sword 
and all the souls that were therein he utterly destroyed that day according to all that he had done to the Kishan. Hallelujah. So we have Haram being spoken of. It speaks to that which is high or exalted. We have Gezer, which is speaks to a portion, um, even a portion as that has been cut off. You know, and then uh, it spoke to Eglon, which speaks to a bull or a calf, and and, and actually is a depiction of um, Baal, which was a very popular pagan god. Uh, you know, in that time. Now, uh, let's see, where was I going with this? Um, Alright, so here it is. I wanted to point out Colossians 2, 14 and 15, which is actually in conjunction with the hanging that we were speaking of. Um, my slide got out of order. But it says, Elohim has wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Then the KJV it says he has he has blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Now I think is is you know they hung our Messiah. Mm -hmm. You know they hung our Messiah because they recognized they recognized or they they viewed, I mean that's the better word. They viewed him as unrighteous. And so they hung him to show they hung him before Yahuwah to show that to show to Yah that they had gotten rid of the unrighteousness that was causing them to be accursed. So that they don't have to be accursed anymore because of the unrighteousness of this fellow. Now, pay attention to what's being said here. It says, Elohim has wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, yes, they hung our Messiah up before Yahuwah, showing that, you know, his unrighteousness, they had rooted out. Problem is, Yah rose them up. Yah rose them up, thereby showing that the handwriting of requirements or the handwriting of ordinances that they utilized to persecute him were unjust and was not of him. And so this was the declaration that was being made when he arose from the death that they subjected him to. His father was saying, no, no. In fact, you have now brought the wrath, my wrath upon thee. Because it's your righteousness that opposes me, not his. Hence, I rose him up to show you that his righteousness had favor with me. But your righteousness 
brought my wrath to you. Hence, after his resurrection, the walls of Jerusalem fell. After his resurrection, you know, or the uh, handwriting of ordinances were done away with. All authority that they had was taken. You know, those ruined, that ruinous house of Elohim was destroyed. That spotting place where the shepherds were spotting all the sheep was done away with. Y'all don't hear me, though. That place where they were causing, where they were white and causing others be, to become white, but yet was full of dead men's bones, was destroyed. I don't think y'all hear me. That Lachish, that walk of men, that was purported as righteousness, was destroyed. Can you see that? Yah truly did make a public spectacle of them for all the world to see. Yahshua truly triumphed over them in that. Joshua 10, 36 through 40. My next reader, please. And Joshua went up from Eglon and all Israel with him unto Hebron, and they fought against it. And they took it and smote it with the edge of the sword, and the king thereof, and all the cities thereof, and all the souls that were therein. He left none remaining, according to all that he had done to Eglon, but destroyed it utterly, and all the souls that were, were therein. And Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to Debir, and fought against it. And he took it, and the king thereof, and all the cities thereof, and they smote them with the edge of the sword, and utterly destroyed all the souls that were therein. He left none remaining, as he had done to Hebron. So he did to Debir, and to the king thereof, as he had done also to Libna, and to her king. So Joshua smote all the country of the hills and of the south and of the vale and of the springs and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as Yahuwah Elohim of Israel commanded. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see how you're supposed to do it with your enemy. He destroyed everything that had breath. It says he left none remaining. This is how you're supposed to do with your enemy. When Yah give you the victory over him, you're supposed to destroy him completely. You're not supposed to make deals with him. You know, you're not supposed to make deals. You're not supposed to make compromises. You're supposed to annihilate him, destroy him completely. 
You know, he destroyed Hebron, which speaks to uh, communion or association or community or associates. Sometimes you have to destroy some associates when you come into the kingdom. Some communities you can't be a part of when you come into the kingdom. Amen. Amen. He had to destroy the, the beer, which speaks to an oracle or city of books. You know, some books you're not allowed to have when you're a citizen of the kingdom. Some oracles you're not permitted to listen to when you're of the kingdom. Amen. You know, once you come into the kingdom of Elohim, you know, you can't be the same person you were in the world. You know, well, why not, Pastor? We're we still in the world. I mean, yeah, we are still in the world, but we're not of the world. If you have become a citizen of the kingdom and your life is the same as before you became a citizen, then I got news for you. You're not a citizen. And you're not Yah's. Because you are his in, in whom you obey. The hell in which you obey, that's who you are. Rather be Yah unto righteousness or Hasatan unto wickedness. Joshua 10, 41 says, And Joshua smote them from Kadesh Barnea, even unto Gaza, unto all the country of Goshen, and unto Gibeon. Kadesh Barnea speaks to a quasi-holy one, one examining or purging or wavering, purging their wavering or examining their wavering. Gaza speaks to the fortified, the strong, Goshen drawing near, Gibeon a heel or a cup, which can also speak to a covenant. You know, Joshua 10, 42, and all these kings in their land did Joshua take at one time because Yahweh Elohim of Israel fought for Israel. When you have Yah on your side, there's nothing that can stand in your way. Joshua 10, 43, and Joshua returned and all Israel with him unto the camp at Gilgal. So they finally went back to their home camp. You know, that's all I have for you today. Pray it was a blessing. Amen.